Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello, my name is Greg Monteith. And I'm John Polstrup. I would love to come back to the discussion we had last week. Again, with kind of this focus on it's normal to be turned off of Christianity as a Christian. I think that's a normal thing. It's a normal thing. I run. I get sick and tired of running. I, I like cereal. I get sick and tired of cereal. So why isn't it normal to get feeling turned off of mediocre, et cetera, Christianity? And I just think that what you've got here is, is a great kind of test case for us to look at. So I wonder if we can dig into that a little bit more. I've got some thoughts. Dig um, away. I don't have any. Um, the, the only thought I had was like, are people tired of hearing about coaching? But uh, so far, no negative emails or uh, <laughs> comments. So let's keep going. Well, no. And I, I mean, is it fair to ask too? Sometimes are people tired of hearing of Christianity? I, I mean, I, I know that's what our focus is. But 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 if if we always put out Christianity as being great or whatever, are we really being true to, I guess, our agenda, our our mandate? Because I think that's one of those destructive ideologies. Right? Well, I don't we're know that to... I'm putting out that it's great. I would say that you put out that it's great. I'd say I put out that I'm confused about it. Okay. But I, I think some people do put out that it's great all the time or that somehow they have this... I don't know, permaglow sort of relationship with Christianity. And, and I, there's, there's no bad days as a Christian. There's no bad days. Right. And I think there's a difference between saying, you know what, I've made the best possible choice I can make. I want you to talk here, but I just, this one thought here is that I've made the best choice I can make and I'm content with where I'm at, even though I'm having a crappy day and maybe a crappy day with my faith. I get that. But to say that there's no crappy days and on a, on a, you know, a scale of uh, 10 is really happy and one is really crappy, I, I get some ones. I, I, don't, I don't understand why that wouldn't be normal. I, I would think that that would be part of an ideology that we would want to disuse. So that's my... Okay. That's one of my guiding orientations here. So, But I, I wanted to come back. We had a really good conversation and I mentioned to you beforehand, I... I took some notes and, and I just found the whole thing to be really, really interesting. I think that we can, one of the things I'd like to do is talk about the possibility of building bridges between uh, coaching and Christianity, right? For you. Before we do that, I, I wondered just about just a couple of other basic things about coaching that work. And I wondered if you'd be willing also to talk about why those same things or how they don't, don't work in Christianity, or at least right now. The only thing that I thought about this, I don't know, just a few minutes before we start talking, I think the only thing that the, not the only thing, the thing that pops into my mind is maybe I need a Christian coach. <laughs> 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 maybe, maybe there, and there are, I don't know any personally right now, but I mean, there's like spiritual advisors and uh, I know one person that has a spiritual advisor and it sounds like it's essentially meeting with a coach. Right. Um, but some of the spiritual overtones I've heard described, I'm not sure that would work for me. Um, but, and I will say too that, you know, when, when I was at Labrie, you know, the, the person that you would, your, what do they call it? Your mentor, your I can't even remember. Your tutor. Yeah, your tutor. Your tutor would have tutorials in, now that I think about those, those were in many ways coaching in the right. sense that they didn't, they weren't necessarily leading with the answer. Ah. I think they would weigh in with more opinions than a coach would, but you know, there, I think there was some definite coaching there. For okay. me, what it, for me, what it keeps coming back to, I think, the, 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 or at least the part that's clearest to my mind is, is I would say as a coach, 
and the people that I'm working with, and even my own work and the coaches that I work with, I see progress. I see dots being connected. I see it as not an overnight process, but also not like a multi-year process. So people are showing up as different people in difficult situations. They are getting clear on uh, maybe a type of career that they really want to have or a position that they really want to go after and how they're going to do it and who they are in doing that. Mm. Um, there, in other words, it's put it this way. I feel like if the, if my coaching clients had the same experience of Christianity that I've had in, I don't know, the last three or four years, they wouldn't be paying me. <laughs> They'd be just right. like, John, this coaching thing doesn't work. Like we just kind of come <laughs> every week. We talk about some interesting ideas. Uh, we talk about what we don't like and what doesn't work and and we pay you and we pay you and then you know maybe you give us an assignment or something to think about and you know but really week to week month to month nothing's really i got some new ideas but like nothing that nothing that's really transformed or changed mm. well that that's yeah, yeah, I want to dig into some of these. This but I feel really like we've, t- I don't know, that's where I'm like, haven't, we, haven't I said that three times already, but maybe not. Yeah, no, I think you're going in a different direction right now, particularly when you brought up that whole idea of uh, a Christian coach or, you know, and my question to you was, well, what would make a good Christian coach? And you said some of the things wouldn't work, right? Most of what you've seen wouldn't work. And then you referenced Libri tutorials and you said that's kind of like coaching, particularly in that they're not leading with the answers. What is it that would make, what makes a bad Christian coach in some of the spiritual counselors or whatever? What what makes somebody that you wouldn't work with? Oh, if it was like Bible verse, another word that starts with a B. Um, Yeah, that would not work for me. What about it wouldn't work for you? Well, it's leading with the answers. It's like, oh, okay. you have doubts. There's a verse for that. Oh, you have this. Oh, let's, let's, you know, the Bible says blah, blah, blah. But, no, but aren't you looking for answers? I'm not right now. You here. No, you push away. <laughs> yes, but I'm like, like I've been saying, I'm not really looking for answers right now. Okay. But in your coach, in your life generally, you're looking for more clarity. You're looking, like you said, to show up as a different person in a difficult situation. Yeah, move things forward. Uh, yeah, pursue you know some personal interests, uh, a new vision of the future that I'm kind of developing, you know, those kinds of things. Okay, so it sounds like even though some of the the, the spiritual counselors, or is there, is there a better word for these I've never heard a Christian coach, but can I? I think spiritual advisor. That's is it spiritual or okay. what do they call it? Or a is escaping me. Let's just go with spiritual advisor. If you come up with something else, let me know. But it sounds like the quote unquote answers they have don't align. When you were talking with coaching, with they don't align with coaching because you said coaching shows results, things happen. So people experience transformation. People experience clarity. It sounds like the answers, at least from your experience with people who might call themselves spiritual advisors, are answers that don't bring transformation. They don't bring clarity. No, no, no. I'd I'd want to cut. This is one person. This is like second or third hand through one person that has met with one. So I don't know. I'm not willing to go. No, I'm not willing to paint that broad a brush. But let's, okay, well, let's reframe it. Let me reframe it then. If you, this was the type of person you were meeting with, if you imagine from your background what a spiritual advisor or what somebody who could wear that hat might be like, that wouldn't work for you. Well, it kind of cuts. Maybe I'll just jump to the the realization I just had. It it kind of it kind of turns the Christian model on its head a little bit in the sense that coaching is all about the client coming with their own answers. The notion mm-hmm. that the client has the answers inside, the client ultimately knows what's best for them. Uh, you know, the creative resource run whole. In other words, the the coach's job is just to kind of peel back the layers of the onion and get to the part that's that's holding them back, so that they can go full steam ahead. 
mm-hmm. my experience of Christianity is like, well, we already have the all the answers. They're in the Bible. Here's what the Bible means. Here are the verses you need to know. Here are the ones that matter. And it, do you see what I say? It's it's. I mean, the the notion that you could just come to Christianity and and discover what's true for you wouldn't like. They, I don't. I can't see how that would work. How that would work in the way Christianity works today. Okay. I, I guess on the one hand, I hear you. Uh, what you're saying makes sense. But on the other hand, it seems to me it's exactly the same thing with Christianity. Because you've got information, say the Bible, and people may believe, and, and I'll put aside my big question, you know, why do you do believe this Bible is true? You can't say I believe it's true because I'm a Christian. You're a Christian because you believe it's true. <laughs> that, that's how it goes, mm-hmm. right? And and we forget that. Christians reverse that all the time. I'm a Christian and therefore the Bible's true. No, 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 no. You believed it was be- true and therefore you became one. I hope. I hope you didn't just become one arbitrarily. Like, I don't know, you'd want to become arbitrarily a taxi driver or someone of another faith or act in a certain way. Probably not. You want to do that for a reason. But I see the same thing in Christianity. If I believe the Bible is true, I am still the person. I am, am, am at that point between the Bible and my actions. I am the person who's interpreting that. And when you said that, that little phrase, we know what it means, that whole piece, it seems to me, is very parallel with coaching, where I am bringing, as, a, as a, someone who's being coached, I am bringing my background of myself, my awareness of the world, my sense of what I would want to accomplish, who I am, what my limitations are. And I am allowing that to have major input into the outcomes, right? But I, something tells me that if I was to say to you in our coaching sessions, John, you know, I'm really interested in being an astronaut. That's my total goal in life. And we could go through this and I could have, I could have all the self-awareness and everything in the world. And I'm not going to get, I'm not going to become an astronaut. I'm too old. I don't have the vision I need. I don't have a whole bunch of other things. I'm, I'm just not going to be there and I can keep showing up, right? So there's certain realities that no matter how, what were those three words, creative, resourceful, and whole I am, I'm not going to become an astronaut. Yeah, but I wouldn't rule it out. I guess, see, <laughs> if, if you came to me and that was your goal, I think we would still, I wouldn't, See, I wouldn't throw it completely out. I'd be like, well, no. what is it about an astronaut that really appeals to you? Right. What, what, what type of astronaut jobs could you do without going to outer space if your eyes aren't good enough or you're too old? In right. other words, it would be all about exploring what's still possible, not starting from the place of it's just not possible whatsoever. Right. I hear you. But I'm, I'm saying also that there are limitations, right? It's not all about me as the participant setting the boundaries and, and yeah. In other words, if you came to me and said, I want to, I want to like fly by just flapping my arms. Will you help me do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That'd be a little problematic. (laughs) Wingardium Leviosa. (laughs) Sorry. We've just been to Orlando's Harry Potter world. So I'm kind of, I have no idea what that is. That's a Harry Potter uh, little, uh, it's a spell from Harry Potter that makes things levitate. Okay. I guess what I see very, what seems to strike me very, very forcefully, and I've got this little diagram on my paper in front of me with a book on the left-hand side, a person's eye, like an eyeball in the middle, and then a person's action on the right-hand side. And it's moving from left to right. So in the case that the Bible may have some really important things for me to understand, I am always the reader of that. You know, and as a reader, I can delegate my my readerly authority to another authority who might be better than I am. I can go and look up a commentary. I can reference other people. But I'm still and always involved in this process in a major way. So the idea that the Bible has all the answers still has me as the guy that's interpreting those answers. 
So the whole question of what it means is a massive question. And I don't think then what I'm trying to do, I guess, is bring coaching and Christianity a little closer together. If coaching is about the client coming with all the answers, I'm not going to be an astronaut. I, I may think I've got the answers to that, but the reality is I don't, right? And we, like you said, we can be creative with that. We can kind of dig underneath that. We can maybe find something satisfying, but I don't have all the answers. And in the same way with Christianity having apparently all the answers, how many denominations do we have? How many different views do we have if we even sat down in a Bible study of 10 people from the same church on on I don't know, a list of 10 verses, how much correspondence would you have between those 10 people? My guess is you'd have a pretty wide variation. So I I don't see those two things as being so opposite. You know, I think that there are boundaries involved in coaching that have nothing to do with the client, and I think there's flexibility involved in Christianity that exceeds what the Bible may have to say, maybe in the Bible. Because people are involved in the interpretation. There's always an interpretive step. Maybe a better way of saying it is almost there's possibilities involved based on who that Christian is or that person is who is interpreting the Bible. So where are we going? I think I'm kind of lost. My sense is the gap between coaching and Christianity is not so big. And on the one hand, I see for you, it's pretty clear. Christianity claims to have answers. Coaching says, no, 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 you as the client have the answers. But I think these two things work together. I don't think they're opposite sides of the same coin. I think they actually, they work, they're, they're very compatible. Yeah, but I'm, I don't know that I'm arguing that they're not compatible. I mm-hmm. think I'm, I'm annoyed <laughs> at, the, at what I perceive is the, the rate of change. Uh, I see the rate of change in coaching to be a factor of 10 when it compares to progress that I've made towards like making Christianity my own. Whoa, say that again. So, making Christianity your own. Yeah, in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. I totally believe it. I totally live it. I embrace it. In fact, it makes so much sense that I can explain it to other people and want to explain it to other people and want to tell their people about it. So almost like this, your idea of ownership, that you would own your Christianity. Yeah. And what seems like a realistic goal for that in terms of time? Uh, I was trying to think of some smart aleck answer. Uh, <laughs> it should have happened already. I didn't think that already. was going to stump you. It should have happened already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're frustrated because in your view, ownership of something like Christianity, well, okay, well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. What, what's involved in ownership? Let's say ownership of Christianity. You mentioned believing it. Uh, that's a really, that's a really good question. I would say, well, my definition of ownership is that you own every that you you own every aspect of it. So it's not someone else's fault if you don't get it or you don't. Uh, in the case of like a like a responsibility in in a job situation or uh, something that you're res- something that you're responsible for, you want to own you 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 make sure that every aspect of it gets done and there are no excuses about why it didn't get done or whatever. And if it fails, you still step up and say, you know what? I own the fact that this didn't get done. Even if there were other contributing factors, it's, it's really up to you. You're taking full ownership. Right. Now, how does that work out in coaching? I mean, I mean, because couldn't you, couldn't, couldn't you maybe fire your coach? No, you totally could. Okay. Because uh, here's what I'm thinking. Coaching's a partnership. I think Christianity is a partnership too. It's a tricky partnership, right? Because you've got a, best word that comes to mind is a silent partner, right? You've got a partner who's there, who acts, 
And it's difficult to know, was that my partner acting? Was that not? How will I know? What should I expect from my partner? And so it seems like you get you get kind of two views on that. One is, my partner does it all for me. And the other is, my partner doesn't exist or doesn't do anything for me. And I guess what I would like to propose is something in the middle, a true partnership. Because both of those things sound like uh, sole proprietorships in a business model. My partner does everything, then my partner does everything. If my partner does nothing, my partner does nothing. I do it all. I mean partnership. Yeah. If ownership of Christianity means that you own every aspect of it, your belief, maybe you feel comfortable with it, you hold yourself personally responsible. How does that work out in a partnership? How does, how does your notion of being an ownership, being an owner, work out when it comes to a partnership? I don't know that I've thought that out very well. Okay. And I struggle, and I struggle with this idea in a work context, too. There's a book that I read that really distills this a lot. In fact, I've done some other personal podcasts on it. It's called Extreme Ownership, How Navy Seals Lead and Win by Jocko Willink and uh, Leave Something. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll link to it. Okay. Um, they, they distill some of these ideas, but yeah. So it, part of my day job is is a project manager. None of the people on the team report to me. It's up to me to guide us as much as possible to release software on time. Mm. But I have very little control over that happening. Right. And so I I have grappled with that. You know, if a release is late with extreme ownership, which this book kind of espouses, would that include me taking responsibility for the release being late? Right. I don't know. I, I like. I just. I kind of tend to say no, but what does it mean for me to exert you know extreme ownership? Well, it means doing every part of my role to the best of my ability, and when I'm wrong or I blow it, totally mm-hmm. owning up to it. Mm-hmm. So, sounds like there needs to be a pretty good sense of, on the one hand, what's your part. And what's their part? And then how can I pitch in for them at times? Maybe how can they pitch in for me? How accurate does that sound? Yeah, I guess I'm thinking about this. This book espouses the notion that, you know, extreme ownership is basically you take responsibility for everything, even if it's not your job. Which is kind of post, which is, I think the intention is to kind of push against this victim mindset of, oh, well, you know, we could have released on time, but, you know, so-and-so didn't do their job. And and this book's kind of espousing the idea of like, well, if they didn't do their job, like, could you have helped them do their job? Or could you have pitched in and helped instead of just sitting on your hands saying, well, it's not my job? Right. So, I mean, that, that sounds, you know, pitching in to help somebody else sounds like a pretty good way to go. Rescuing them and doing their job for them might be impossible, and it sounds a bit dysfunctional to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, recipe for burnout. But so... In this model, if extreme ownership can mean knowing your part, knowing the other person's part, and then pitching in, could you see how much does extreme ownership have to, how relevant is it when it comes to perhaps Christianity as a partnership? That's an interesting idea. I, I said something, I'll, I'll just, here's where I'm going. I said something in church a while back and I, I, I offered a, a prayer request and I said, one of the things I said is I really want to make sure I'm clear on what's God's, God's part here and what's my part here. And somebody came up to me and said, I'd never thought about that that way before. And I think that that's absolutely essential, right? Because if you're in a partnership, that's a tricky one. So like you, you're a project manager. You're, you have no direct authority, but you have, you're, you're there like you're, you're, you're in the, the, the rowing six and you're the coxswain or whoever that person is that's, that's calling the count and making sure that everybody, you know, stays on time, stays on beat. It, it sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. And to, to hear you, like, obviously it's a struggle 
right? For, for, for you and for others probably in that same position to be able to know where the boundaries lie and, you know, the whole idea of, I mean, do I, uh, do I take an approach like extreme ownership or not? But it seems to be that if that can work in some ways and is difficult in some ways in your work life, that that can work and should naturally be difficult in your faith life, given that it's kind of the same type of partnership. Yeah, I don't disagree with the idea. I... Okay. So if this whole idea of ownership should have happened already, I guess this is where I'm, I'm pushing back at against what exactly would it look like, right? If you're supposed to be the one who owns every... So if I was to own my Christianity, what would yes. that look like? If you owned your Christianity, and given that your Christianity is a partnership and you've got this tricky way of having a true partnership here, not not like the God does everything, right? I've experienced that in my church. God reads the Bible for me, and I've seen how that works out. Pretty crappy. Or God does nothing. Um, but a real partnership. That sounds like an innately tricky process. And so I'm pushing back a bit on the idea that it should have already happened. Or at least I'm asking questions about how would you work that part out? Mm. And uh, here's my guess too. My guess is most people are going to work out the partnership with God thing in one of two ways. And it's going to kind of be binary. It's going to be God does pretty much everything or God does pretty much nothing. And I think... I think a Christian can fall on both sides of that scale, right? I know some very individualistic, very, you know, um, God helps those who help themselves sort of Christians. And God does, I don't know what God does for, for them, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot. And then for other people, it's like, oh, God found me a parking spot. Really? So God, God reoriented the whole <laughs> like the thoughts there of all the go. human beings in this particular area and the timing of everything so that you could have a parking spot. Are you bringing the eagle back? I'm bringing the, oh, the eagles. The, exactly. But this partnership <laughs> notion is massive. And I guess I wonder where you're drawing your notion of, it should have happened already from, where's the timing come from? Who, well, it's one, of those, it's one of those, you know, really bad ideas comparing myself to others. Oh, okay, but let me t push that further. Which others are they? Who are you? Who, just just give me some broad labels, right? You, you can put my name in there if you want to, but uh, use, use some labels. Is, is it your past? That's interesting, because, yeah, I wouldn't... That's so fascinating. Yeah, I don't know that I would compare myself to you and say, oh... Yeah, I would say it's more of, like, family, it's church when I have gone to church, which hasn't been for a while, but that's really interesting. Yeah. I've never, I have never like compared myself to you and be like, Oh, why can't you be more like Greg? Well, no, what I even meant, did, do you see me doing that? Do you see? No, uh, I don't see, I see you. I see you just very patiently just being like, I don't know. He's just, John's on some type of a path and here he is. And I don't see you wringing your hands and being like, dude, will you speed the process up? Like, come on. Um, <laughs> my hunches, I've never really asked you. Well, maybe I have. My hunches, you have some opinions, though. You're like, you know, I think you might be hung up here. Or if you would let go of this a little bit or embrace this a little bit more, you might more, make more progress. My, it wouldn't surprise me if you have thoughts like that. But I don't feel judged or any sense that, uh, yeah, I, sh I should, I should have figured it out the way you do. Cause our minds, we're just like totally different people when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. And we've had totally different life experiences. Yes. Yeah. And, and my, my comment was even meant to be, it was really a kind of, where does the notion, where does the time frame that you have? So you said it should have happened already. That's what I'm really keying in on. It should have happened already. And who gives you that idea? Where does that notion come from? Well, I guess what uh, my experience of going to the churches that I've gone to is that it's a binary thing. And by the way, for those not in the computer world, binary is basically, there's just two options. It's either a one or a zero. So when we say binary, we're saying it's one or the other. Uh, in other words, my experience of churches is that 
you know, while there might be someone that just became a Christian, so they're, quote, a baby Christian, but, you know, everyone else is, they're, I mean, I don't know, I haven't seen this at a church where it's like, there's, there's like the, the, the old people that, you know, they've been Christians their whole lives and they're, they're really wise and steeped in God and all that. And then there's, you know, kind of everyone else. But there's no notion of, like, everyone's on a trajectory. It's kind of like, I don't know, everyone's everyone's kind of already ar- arrived. That's interesting. Because I, I guess my sense of most of what you've described in terms of background is, is once again, when it comes to ownership in terms of a partnership, I don't know that I've, I've heard you give me any examples of a good partnership, of ownership that represents a good partnership. And so when you say, you know, um, it's, it's from your background, it, sh- it should have already happened, it's kind of binary. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I think it's binary in the same way that most Christians respond to a partnership with God as either the partner does nothing or the partner does everything. And I don't think either one of those work. No, and I'm totally open. I mean, yeah, I have no, yeah, I would say if if you were to ask me how I think it works, I think it's both. Um, And if you were to say now, okay, well, so what's your job, John? I would say, well, it probably means I need to read, I need to read more books and read the Bible and pray more or, uh, well, I don't know. Half of me would say, half of me would say, I need to be doing more. <laughs> uh-huh. The other half of me, and this is, I'm stealing from my coaching model as well, which there's two sides to this progress, which is being and doing. So part of me would say, you just need to keep being. But if I'm to be totally honest, I'd say right now, there's not a lot of doing. Okay. And I think this is really, really exciting because I don't think w- when I hear you speaking there and you're saying, okay, how would I, what, what, what does, what would John do? What should John do doing or being or, and I'm thinking, leave the whole Christianity thing aside, dig further into the coaching thing. Because on the one hand, what, 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 I guess what I'm seeing is you're saying it should have happened already in terms of your sense of ownership of Christianity. But I'm seeing, on the one hand, I'm seeing, on the one hand, at least from where I'm sitting, that the perspective on ownership is broken, right? You're you're looking at uh, oh, I would see. I would or, almost, I would almost say that that you're challenging me, and that the wheels are kind of turning in my head, and it's like, hmm, maybe I'm not as much of an owner here as I think I am. Maybe well, need to, but, maybe I need to reconsider in a positive way. Yes, but but you own coaching in a very positive way. And w- what I see is you've got this coaching thing and it's healthy, it's working, it's functional. You can you can explain it. You can demonstrate it. You can live it. You can help others get it. Like you are an evangelist for coaching. And then you take that and you go back to this notion this 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 sort of notion of doing the same thing with Christianity, owning Christianity, and and you say to yourself, "Hey, this isn't working. I should have been there already." But the there that you should have been, I think, is a broken place, right? It's a place where this whole idea of ownership as partnership doesn't work, right? You've got this binary notion. There's no trajectory. And I wonder if you can't pursue Christianity through coaching. And I wonder on a bigger scale, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is a little radical. If other people who are listening, who are Christians, and who say, my faith is entirely lackluster, it is mediocre, it is uninteresting, boring, blah, 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 compared to this other thing, can you pursue Christianity through that other thing? You know, and I... So what would that look like? Well... I mean, based on what you know of coaching, like, what would this look like? Okay. Uh, Hold the question. What would it look like? Uh, to pursue Christianity through coaching. I, I just want to say one one sort of little caveat, and that is, you know, I'm not saying that people who find Christianity to be 
If you're a Christian and you are on the way out, I'm not trying to suggest to you that you should just go back in there and, and, and hit it harder again through some different means. That, that's not what I'm suggesting, right? I, I think there's a legitimate place for somebody saying, I think I'm done with this thing for now. And, and that may require a different approach, which is really evaluating, you know, what are you done with? Why are you done with it? And, and what, what, where are you if you're not in this place? If you're not standing as a Christian or something, what would you describe yourself as? Um, what's the landscape look like? Where do you want to go? Right. So these are similar questions to coaching, but but I think to come back to your question, what would it look like to pursue Christianity through coaching? I think what you need to do is look at the categories of coaching. What are the various categories that excite you? You know, on the one hand, it's clear. Um, it's easy to communicate to others. So you understand it. You can communicate it. It works for you. So it's got demonstrable kind of uh, outcomes that are positive, demonstrable successes. But you could probably also indicate when it's going to fail, right? So it, it, it's, it's, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for there? It's not just something that you can identify when it's succeeding. You can identify when it's failing and therefore it's, it's I guess it's verifiable in certain ways. Look at all those criteria. Look at all the things that excite you about coaching, not so much in their, not just in their, their individual elements, but put each element under, under a category, under a header. Well, that's easy. To me, it's easy that, I mean, the, the overall header is transformation. People are okay. being transformed. I thought Christianity was supposed to transform people too, or God is, or maybe Christianity is not the right label, but th mm -hmm. in other words, my understood notion is that, you know, relationship with God, AKA Christianity is supposed to be transform transformative on a personal level. Right. Okay. And how does it go about doing that? What what makes it that possible or successful? Hmm. It's got to be clear. Something's got to you got to have to be able to be clear about goals. It seems to me, you have to have ways of measuring. You have got metrics for success. You don't get thwarted. When with failure, yeah, failure is almost a learning opportunity. Right? Well, I think of you, I think of you, and I think of your emphatic, you know, that Christianity helps you to be a better version of you. And it's, it, it's the person that it helps you to be the person that you want to be mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. I guess I would have the same expectation. Okay. It's like, okay, if, if, if that's a key, if that's a key component of it, why wouldn't I have the same experience? Right, but but you have a sense of everything that goes into coaching, right? I know that you, you you're a coach. You've been coached. Uh, you know, you and I've had loads of conversations, not, not in podcasts, about coaching. And so I know that your acumen when it comes to coaching is really high. But in terms of Christianity, my question is, are you still drawing your template and not your resources in terms of like all your data, but even the headers, even the categories, are you still drawing them from a past, which is... Oh, from like a broken, from a Christianity that doesn't work. Yeah. And so I'm continuing, potentially continuing to point at this broken thing and say, look, it's broken. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't got there yet, but I don't think that that's, you know, and, and this is a big statement. I realized I think many varieties of that form of Christianity simply will not give you what you're looking for because you are not willing to settle. You're not on the, on the partnership thing. You're not going to take God does everything for me because that's not realistic. You're not going to take God doesn't God doesn't do anything for me at all because then well, what's the difference if God exists? Yeah, or not? why bother? Why bother? Right? You will not take either one of those two things, and so you want to have something that resembles a true partnership. And I think spelling that out is tricky. It's time consuming. It's personally involving, and it's probably going to re require not only resources but categories that are new to you. Well, what dawns on me, like I said at the beginning, I think it. 
the epiphany I'm having here is it requires help. In other words, yes. it needs another person. Another needs yes. another human. In other words, yeah. potentially to just I mean that's that's like someone saying, Well, I want to change careers and I'll just sit here and hope for some divine intervention or something, or I'll just know what to do. Or I'll somehow become, I don't know, skilled in accounting or law or uh, I don't know, PHP programming uh, magically. Versus I'm going to go out and get somebody who knows what they're doing to teach me. Right. And if I can come back to what you said earlier, I, th I think what's inciting me here about this whole partnership idea is when you said, whatever the term is, like a spiritual advisor or somebody who's going to, you know, you go to them, you're having difficulties with your faith, and they pull out a Bible and they point to a bunch of answers. I think that again is this whole partnership where God does everything. Right? And you're at the point where you will not accept that. And I think that's a major step forward. You see, because I, th I think people who are at either ends of the spectrum as Christians, right, you can be at the God doesn't exist uh, part of the end of the spectrum as, as a non-Christian. I, I think that's valid. I don't agree, but I think it's valid. But I think as a Christian, you can't be at either end of the spectrum. You are, tr you are essentially, your commitment in life is to being in a certain type of partnership with God, with certain parameters, with certain sets of expectations, with a certain amount of clarity, and maybe a definite amount of unclarity, right? And being and being in a sort of a an ongoing state of uh, flux and uh, solidarity with that. Right, so you're both able to deal with the fact that yeah, things may pan out differently in terms of how this partnership is working out in this particular area, but then again, I can count on things over here, right? And then, then there's a flux; it changes. So it seems to me that on the one hand, you're miles ahead because you won't accept either extreme. You want a true partnership, but what that looks like and how that looks like, you know. I, I think again, you go back to go back to coaching and say, you know, even if coaching can't tell you about Christianity, the way you, John, respond to coaching, it tells you a lot about you. So if you have some expectations that are met in coaching and you're really excited to see those expectations met, like I, I don't know, I, I would list your expectations too, not just the the headers or the categories, but the expectations related to coaching, the ones that really matter to you, and you're really glad that they're there, you know, like like that results can happen and that those results can be verifiable, or that you know your your views can be falsifiable too. It's not like you can't disprove anything. It's not all up in the air, whatever it is. And out of that, I think. You know, it may be that your expectations for coaching that are really valid may not be valid for Christianity. But but I, I think it at least allows you to situate yourself because just like that whole little model I had with the Bible and the eye and the person doing something and acting, you're the one who's reading. You're the one who's there who's engaged with that text. And I think there's a huge degree of responsibility to know what it is you expect what you think is reasonable, what you think is valid, doesn't mean you're the final arbiter. But I think Christians are so apt to completely take themselves out of the picture that they do a massive misservice, not only to themselves, but to God. No, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, the, the sense of, yeah, because that's part of the rules is you can't decide. You can't decide what's important for you because you're, you're fallen and defective. See, and that's utter crap utter crap because we are always doing it all the time, whether we recognize we're doing it or not. So let's pony up. Let's recognize what we're doing. Let's be reflective about it. Let's be willing to say as Christians, you know, what part of my Christianity is, I'm not the final arbiter. God, in a sense, has a say, but God having a say is always God. It's, it's never God <laughs> meeting me in a burning bush and saying, by the way, Greg, that whole thing yesterday with your kids, you know, you kind of made that parenting decision <laughs> not right. Like, I, that doesn't happen. But I do get feedback through my spouse. I get feedback through other parents. I get feedback through God knows what, like other stuff. 
right? But I'm always in the middle of it. I am always, even if I'm not the source of the feedback, I'm interpreting that source. And I think that degree of honesty in terms of expectations, and I talked about headers or categories, right? What are the valid categories? What are the categories that aren't valid? I think these things are massive and they, they just, we don't even pay attention as Christians, right? Not even on our radar. So make it practical for people. You are using understanding God through coaching for me. Last time our example was also baseball. So what about someone that's just totally passionate about baseball or the adult softball league they're in or whatever? It's some sport that they will just stick with baseball. Like that's their thing. So what would, what would your suggestion there be? Well, I think it does make a bit of a difference how much content the thing has, right? So when I talk to you about coaching, you've got, you could fill podcasts with, you know, how to coach, uh, what it's like to be coached, how you know coaching is successful, when you might want to think about changing your coach, um, you know, top things that people gain through coaching. You've got a ton of stuff on this, right? Um, you, someone might be really passionate about softball and they might be able to express that passion and those expectations and the categories. They could exhaust that maybe in five minutes. I'm not trying to say uh, coaching is better than softball. I'm simply saying that, you know, um, if you think about your life, um, try to come up with as many things as possible that you are passionate about. Maybe you're passionate about softball and about you know, volunteering, or maybe you're passionate about something that you don't do, but it's something that is really, you know, you think about all the time. Like, I, I don't know, climbing Mount Everest or um, going to a foreign place or, I don't know, uh, working with um, children in need, um, any of those types of things. And I would just try to break down, you know, what is the thing? Sketch it out. Do a little mind map of it. Um, what are the categories that it that it touches on? You know, working with children in need, humanitarian, right? I get to deal with children. I get to work with those who are uh, who are powerless. I get to be somebody to stand up for somebody who's um, who's weak, who needs justice. Um, and what are the expectations I have of myself? And what are the expectations I have? of myself in relation to that activity, right? Hey, yeah, I can do this. I can spare that amount of time. Or um, my expectation is when I do this thing, I'm going to be really tired, but I'm going to feel really satisfied. And I think it would just help to paint a picture of the attraction, paint a picture of the desire and the commitment, because I think there are two things going on there. The desire and the commitment. And I think if we were to take these things and translate them into Christianity, that translates into gold. Because if you have desire and commitment to follow through on your religious beliefs, man, the rest of it will come. You don't have knowledge, no problem. That'll come. But if you don't have desire and you don't have commitment, you can have all the knowledge you like. You can have all the access you like. You can have all the status you like, and it's not going to mean much. That's my view. Well, and I liked what you were saying about even that thing that you're not doing. That's usually, I had some really powerful interactions with clients around things like that. Mm. Um I won't use any real examples for confidentiality purposes, but, you know, maybe it was a, a hobby that they did when they were growing up or in college or mm. something, and then they stopped doing it for whatever reason, but they still long to do it or they won't allow themselves to do it or mm -hmm. those are definite. Yeah. If you have any of those inklings, those are definitely things that I think are worth leaning into and either picking them up again or, or figuring out why you can't pick them up again. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, there can be a lot of, a lot of like really, really good informing stuff in right. those particular things. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I, can I make a, do something radical? Radical away. 
Can I give you some homework? Yeah. Homework for the pot for the next podcast. Yeah. I was right. already thinking of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what were you thinking of? Well, the, the idea of of doing what you're suggesting. Well, that's it. I, I'd, I'd love for you to write out your expectations and whatever the categories are. Like, like, you know, all the things you like about coaching and then try to answer them in terms of what, what categories, what, how would I put a header on some of these categories? And then what are my expectations and how does, how do all these things breed desire and commitment in me? Right. And the other thing, some that, of it's innate, some of it's innate though. Hmm? What do you mean? Of all the things I've done in my career or my life, like this one is the most resonant to me. Resonant how? In what sense? I think it, it embodies like the most number of my values. It, uh, it makes me feel uh, the most alive. It, uh, like it's most in sync with who I am right now. And that's not to say I was thinking about this at lunch for some reason today. That's not to say like 15 years from now, I won't have moved on to be doing something else. I can see myself doing this the rest of my life. But I, so I, I, I don't know why I'm putting that in there that maybe there are seasons, but, at least right now, this is, yeah. What were you going to say? Well, that's really, that's really cool because I was going to add one thing to desire and commitment. And when you say it's in sync with who you are right now, the word I was going to add was identity. Mm, I don't know what I think about that. Because I don't think of myself as a, yeah, I don't know. But then, but in the sense that I think of myself as a coach? No, in the sense that, who you are and want to be is maximized through this thing. Mm, I never thought of it that way. Okay. Maybe more well, homework. Uh, more <laughs> homework, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your request, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.